art. It's alive and thriving on the University of Toronto Mississauga campus. Behind the scenes, there is a team of people who are trying to change the way students, faculty, and staff interact with art. Slowly, thoughtfully, they are developing creative ways to introduce them to the world of art and how it can be used to elucidate traditional or popular subjects in new and exciting ways. Welcome to episode four of Bright Lights Big Saga. I'm your host, Claire Carver Dias. In past episodes, I've urged listeners to get curious about where we live and visit. In this episode, we're going to get curious about art, specifically art at the University of Toronto Mississauga. To learn more about art on campus, I spoke with Christine Shaw. Hi, I'm Christine Shaw, and I'm the director curator of the Blackwood Gallery and an assistant professor teaching stream in the Department of Visual Studies. Before we dive in, let's backtrack a little. I have a complicated history with visual art. I used to say it just wasn't my thing. For many, many years, I claimed that literature, dance, and theater were my art forms of choice, period. I avoided galleries and rushed through art museums, and I missed out. Let me explain. Every year for the past 20 years, my husband and I have made a trek to Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario to enjoy the works of George Bernard Shaw and his contemporaries at the Shaw Festival. What began as a birthday outing in May blossomed into a twice-a-summer affair, then a season's pass, and people ask us why we go. I say, for the artistry, to enjoy the way Shaw and other playwrights observed the idiosyncrasies of society and laid them out before us in a humorous way, so that sometimes our strange traditions and opinions are exposed and we laugh at ourselves. And why did I study English literature at UTM? Because I wanted to learn about history through literature or dig deep into writing and bask in the way writers make me reflect. For example, I adore the way Alice Munro can unveil the intimate thoughts of a character, and often I can so closely identify with that person that I feel exposed, even embarrassed. Monroe's ability to tap into the human condition and through words cause such a visceral reaction is astounding. Don't worry, I'm getting to my point. I love theater and literature and I've ignored visual art. And this is all due to a fundamental misunderstanding of other visual forms of art and unfamiliarity with painting, sculpture, drawing, installations, etc. Ignorantly, I believed that the visual art world was inaccessible to me. I built up walls in my mind by imagining that visual art was reserved for people who visit galleries, stand still before a canvas, head tilted just so, possibly rubbing their chin before pointing out some subtle brushstroke in its meaning. The backdrop can be interchangeable here. The soaring ceilings of the Louvre, stark white walls and sharp edges of a modern studio. In each of these images, which I created in my own mind, 
I perceived myself to be an outsider. Perhaps you felt you were too. So I looked at Christine Shaw to help me. You know, often there's this misconception that gal- galleries are this mm-hmm. place where art is very static, where it's, you know, paintings or photography. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you open students' eyes to the whole enormous range of what art can be? Uh, that's a great question, because I think it's one that we approach very strategically. Um, we have been supporting a lot of experimental work made by artists, and their work a number of the artists that we work with are very collaborative, so their practice doesn't start and end in the studio, right? They're reaching out to scientists and economists and dancers, um, geographers, um, they're out in the field doing research. And so that, as even a starting point, is already an entry point for artists because what's informing the work and what is made through that collaborative research practice um, is exciting and useful to our students. But then materially, what we actually do, the kinds of exhibitions we make, um, are uh, unusual, sometimes very unexpected. So sometimes we might have questions of, this is art. As a student at UTM, I only ever peeked into the Blackwood Gallery in the Kneff Center on my way to psychology class. I'd gaze at something hung up on the wall or displayed there until an attendant would ask if they could help me, and I would scurry away helplessly. I never got curious, and I never engaged. Christine Shaw and her predecessors in the role of creative director have worked to engage the academic community at large through installations at the galleries and through art on campus. So what is the Blackwood Gallery? Mm. The Blackwood Gallery is a contemporary art centre here at the University of Toronto, Mississauga. We operate three exhibition sites, um, two galleries and a light box, or more commonly known as a billboard. Um, And in those spaces we stage contemporary art exhibitions, host public programs, uh, engage in education activities, um, we become a classroom, right? So we're really interested in positioning the gallery as a classroom here on UTM. Uh, we're a meeting place, a social space, we stage performances, we make publications, we're a pretty active space. We think of ourselves as a research center, and so positioning contemporary art as a form of research and public engagement and knowledge production. And has that changed over the years? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it has. Um, it all depends on who the creative director is. And um, over the last 15 years, we've seen four different director curators. Um, really important work happened here under the direction of Barbara Fisher, who is now the director curator of the Art Museum at the St. George campus. Um, and Barbara brought to the Blackwood a number of extremely important exhibitions that then toured internationally. Then uh, my predecessor was Christoph Magone, who was really interested. He comes from uh, a studio practice, so he is an artist and has a PhD in performance studies. Uh, he's also a record producer, he's a sound artist. Um, so he staged some really exciting exhibition programs here over his five-year period. Um, really playing and experimenting with the spaces we have, thinking about the space between them. He really started to put projects across campus, which I think was a really important move. 
um, so that we're not just sequestered or cloistered into two galleries, mm -hmm. but thinking about ways to excite students about contemporary art, creating encounters. Um, and then we've continued that um, under my direction, and um, my focus has really been on thinking about how to engage the ac academic community at large. But how do you practically draw students in? How about a sandstorm? Things that we've done for an exhibition I curated called The Pen Moves Across the Earth. It was a group exhibition that was looking at the human impact on the earth. And we had an American artist make a sand dune in the gallery. So we literally brought in 30,000 pounds of sand, which at the time our exhibition coordinator worked with facilities management and planning here at UTM to source the sand. She called them and said, hey, we need some sand. And they're like, hey, so do we. We've got to replenish the beach volleyball court. And so they said, why don't we order it? You use it first in the gallery, then we'll come and get it. And now our artwork is beach volleyball court. <laughs> so he brought in 30,000 pounds of sand, 17 industrial floor fans, and the wind pushed the sand. And it was a live piece. That was in addition to, you know, metal magnetic stalagmites falling through the ceiling attached to I-beams, right? But wow. you can see how strategically placing a 30,000 pound pile of sand in the gallery, which can be seen as students are passing through the Kneff Center hallways, they're like, mm -hmm. what is that? <laughs> right? And it pulls yeah. them in. And then once we have them there, they circulate through the room and they take in different work. And hopefully it has them thinking about things differently. And it seems you don't have to be enrolled in an art-related class to participate. Is there anything else that's really struck students, struck a chord with students? Absolutely. One that I think was really successful because we involved students, staff, and faculty in the actual making of the exhibition was a, a, an exhibition by Julien Prévu, who is a French artist. He won the Prix Marcel Duchamp in 2016, and then we staged an exhibition with him in 2017. He looks a lot at um, surveillance and architectures of vision and thinking about different technologies for organizing the world. So he had this really great project where he actually purchased Bernie Madoff's book collection. So Bernie Madoff, as we know, was... America's biggest fraudster. <laughs> and through an FBI auction, Julian Prévu bought Bernie Madoff's book collection. And then he did like what we would call a forensic study of Bernie Madoff's annotations. So looking at what he was, notes he was making in the margins, what was he highlighting and circling from, you know, trade manuals to Sobey's auction catalogs, <laughs> golfing manuals, fly fishing. And from that emerged this really great uh, wall project that revealed Julien Prévu's kind of analysis. But at the same time, we presented some videos that he had made over the course of a year with dancers from the Paris Opera who were interpreting the history of movement study. So then what we did, in terms of your question around how did students get excited about it, we conducted outreach to students, faculty, and staff across the campus to participate in gaze recording workshops with Julien. So we had staff from the Advancement Office to economics students, computational and mathematical science, student society members, faculty in cinema studies, communication information technology. They came in and did one-on-one uh, -on -one workshops with Julian, 
where the, he would have them look at a single work in the exhibition, whether it was the wall installation of Bertie Madoff's books or a projection of a video, and he used an infrared camera to track their eye movement. So what he was recording was how they were looking at the art object or mm. the installation. Those then rendered really, really fine drawings. That's what the software does. You have this gorgeous line drawing, which then our work-study students then worked with the artist to translate those computer drawings into wall-sized line drawing installations in our e-gallery. So it became an exhibition about the university looking at Julian's exhibition that's looking at how we look. <laughs> it was amazing. Like so post, post. Postmodernist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that those are Very strategies. Cool. So we're really engaging the different departments across the campus in the research towards our exhibition program, in its production, and then also it's an engagement. So then the gallery, once the shows are up, we conduct a lot of outreach to student groups and to faculty. Faculty are hosting their classes in our gallery, so they're embedding exhibitions into curriculum, using them as case studies, as discussion or entry points into course material. They're using our exhibitions to devise class assignments. Student groups are treating the gallery as a meeting space or a meeting place, so mm -hmm. clubs are hosting their events in the gallery. There's all kinds of ways that we're connecting with the campus. Yeah, it's this great integration of yeah. different... And when you say classes, mm -hmm. doing or professors holding classes and lectures in the gallery, mm -hmm. beyond art and art history? Absolutely. Okay. So we've had faculty from women and gender studies, historical studies, political science, geography, anthropology, CCIT as an active participant, sociology, economics. Most recently, we've just staged a year-long project called Take Care which was on the crisis of care in contemporary society. And that's a really big crisis, so we took our time and we staged five series of exhibitions. And the, the fifth circuit of that exhibition was on collective welfare, and so we looked specifically at the hospital, the prison, the university, so institutions of care. And with that circuit, for instance, Lawrence Switzky, who teaches in English drama and theater, he was teaching a gaming course so his final assignment for his students was um, having them visit the exhibition, having talks and tours with gallery staff, and then they were designing online games on the crisis of care, right? So then our exhibition continues in the creative output of our students. Wow. Yeah. Is there something about UTM that makes it conducive to creating and displaying art? I'm going to sound like a salesperson. <laughs> But I love this campus. I absolutely love this campus. I think um, as a built environment, it it's really exciting. It feels great to come to work here every day. We have a saying here in the office that if ever we grow tired of seeing the deer in our workplace, it's time to not work here anymore, <laughs> right? So just two weekends ago, we hosted a conference. Uh, we It's a signature event for us now. It's called Running With Concepts. We do it every year. And so we identify a theme that's kind of coursing through our programming year, and then we assemble um, artists, curators, researchers, academics, depending on the subject that we're, we're talking about, people beyond those kind of specialized fields. 
and we stage a two and a half day conference. But what makes our event pretty special is we choreograph the campus. So we don't just rent a single lecture hall or theater on campus and that's where everybody files in every day and stays there all day. We all know when we go to conferences that can be quite taxing in terms of holding your attention and sometimes it limits the ability to socialize or meet people, exchange ideas. We actually use different sites across campus and we choose them in relation to the content of the conference. So two years ago we did the choreographic edition. We had live drum performances in a parking stall at the CCT garage. We did uh, a choreographed walking tour where people were invited to drop and roll and move and come into contact with each other through all the green spaces. We did lectures in crush spaces, which are the spaces ordinarily understood as the spaces where when you have 500 students coming in and out of a lecture hall. So not just your usual conferences, but the content is really rigorous. What I love most about all this is that Christine and her team found a way to juxtapose stark beauty and pragmatism. She is determined to make art current and relevant. Last, no, two weekends ago, we held the Running With Concepts, the Empathic Edition. So this was a conference that um, concluded our year-long program on the crisis of care. For that conference, we brought in some of the artists we'd worked with over the course of the year, but then other academics and poets and educators, but also healthcare professionals. The final exhibition in Take Care included a seven-channel video installation by London, UK-based artist Stephen Eastwood. And he shot that film in a hospice over the course of 12 months. And he developed very, very close relationships with three of the patients of the hospice. And he captured, in, in some cases, even their end of life. And so this very special video was presented across our two galleries. So we brought him here for the conference. And we had three palliative care professionals, two doctors and a nurse. OK, on, on top of all this, Art at UTM is enhancing research and learning. Even if we're not aware of it, it's changing the way we see and interact with space, with each other, and with the world. We really believe in the importance of visual literacy in a world in which we're consuming images at such a rapid pace and not slowing down to think about what's communicated in images. We're hoping our light boxes will help. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good that's a good point. How do you mm. encourage such a fast paced student population? Yeah, who barely look up from their personal light box, their their iPhones yeah. and smartphones, mm. to stop and really mm. take things in, in a, at a slower pace. I think that's one of our biggest challenges. So we try to be provocative, right? Put things up there that make them stop. <laughs> Sometimes it's generated controversy, which we think is really important, as long as we are prepared to be accountable to that controversy, to be able to steer the conversation, share information, and encourage people to dig a little deeper. Before we wrap up this episode, you need to know that there's an enormous art exhibition being staged in Mississauga in the early fall. The largest this city has ever seen. In an upcoming episode, we'll tell you more about that exciting project and how you can participate. Since I started this episode with a little tale about my experience with George Bernard Shaw, let's bring this back around to him just for a moment. 
In Back to Methuselah, he wrote, quote, You use a glass mirror to see your face. You use works of art to see your soul. It sounds like students at UTM have a chance to soul-seek. Bright Lights Big Saga is written and hosted by me, Claire Carver-Dias. Concept and production by Joanna Zermak. Music credits go to Bruce Ariza Balaga Quintet, Drake Stafford, and Evan Schaefer. And finally, if you like what you've heard, please rate us on iTunes. It really helps.